Hello and welcome to another episode of Pastimes, Talking and Teaching History, Euroclius podcast on history education. My name is Andreas Holtberger and in this episode we will have a conversation about the role that history education plays in society. We'll tackle some pretty crucial questions about why we do history, what purpose history teaching in schools have or should have, and in doing so, we'll also look ahead a bit to Euroclio's uh, upcoming annual conference that will take place this spring 2022 in Italy. Now, to look into all of this, I'm really pleased to bring Professor Tina van der Vlies uh, to the podcast. All right, welcome so much to Tina van der Vlies. Tina, you are an assistant professor of history at the Erasmus University uh, in Rotterdam at their School of History, Culture and Communications. You completed your PhD research uh, also in Rotterdam on the perpetuation of national narratives in English and Dutch history textbooks. Your work on that has also been, been recognized with awards by the International Standing Conference for the History of Education and the Belgian Dutch Society for History Education back in 2019. Currently, you combine teaching with a role as project secretary of the Historians' Days in August of this year to 2022, which is a three-day national conference jointly organized by the Erasmus University in Rotterdam and the Royal Netherlands Historical Society. Now, uh, one of the reasons why I, I was very keen to, to invite you to this podcast today is that you, about six months ago uh, or so, you received a, a research grant to work on a new research project. It's titled, Why School History Matters, Public Discourses on the Purposes of History Education, 1920-2020. And of course, we'll uh, we'll start talking about that uh, very very soon. But uh, yeah, th uh, thank you so much for joining us and, and welcome. Well, thank you very much for the invitation. I'm happy to join and to Wonderful. talk about history education. Wonderful. So, uh, without too much uh, further ado, let's just go straight to a question for you. As I mentioned, you you received this this research uh, grant uh, to work on on a new project on on why school history matters. Uh, to give the listeners a bit of context, it's also, of course, very much related to our upcoming annual conference, which will uh, take place in Bologna in uh, spring this year. And it's entirely devoted to more or less the same question that you're you are tackling in this research. But coming back to your research proposal or, or your work, um, as, as I understand it, together with colleagues at the University of Cambridge, you will be looking at present-day debates about the role of school history in society. And I was just hoping that you could tell uh, me and, and our listeners a bit more about your project, the scope of it, what kind of uh, societies are you looking at, in fact, and perhaps also first to start off a bit about your, the reasons for why you, you got interested in, in, in this particular topic. Yes, thank you very much. Well, I will investigate a long history of public debates about the purposes of history education and then more specific about English and Dutch history education. Because history is a contested school subject. We see that in newspapers and on the news, on the internet. So history education is a topic of polarized public debate. 
And for example, during the Black Lives Matter protest in the United Kingdom, campaigners sent an open letter to the education secretary calling on him to decolonize the history curriculum and to make the teaching of black history a compulsory part of the national curriculum. But for example, when you look in the Netherlands, public outrage arose over the murder of the French history teacher Samuel Paty after he had shown Muhammad cartoons in a lesson on the freedom of speech. So the Dutch Minister of Education asked schools to reflect upon this murder and to hold a minute of silence. But this request evoked tensions in several schools. Due to many threats on social media, now a history teacher in Rotterdam is still in hiding. So a cartoon was hanging on his notice board for, for five years, but it actually became a contested issue after this memorial. But of course, these examples are part of a long history of public debates about school history's role in society, because this role relates to ideas on identity, citizenship, community cohesion, and for example, processes of inclusion and exclusion. So history education engages with moral values that are in one way or another political and actors with various interests, conflicting interests, have discussed school history's purposes. For example, politicians, opinion leaders, teachers, religious leaders, and so on. So many, many various ideas on history education. So my research question is, which ideas on school history's purposes circulate in English and Dutch public discourses in the period between the 1920s and the 2020s? And how can change, changes and continuities be explained? Because so far, no systematic research has been done into public discourses on school history's purposes. Of course, um, history textbooks have been investigated, official political documents, but what about the public discourse about history education? And I think the public discourse is extremely important, relevant and interesting because that is a route, in my opinion, to understanding the ways in which events, persons and developments, such as cultural, economic or political developments, have affected views on how school history benefits society and why this is such a contested issue. And that's also why I have chosen for a comparative element in my research, because the national context is also important, of course, also the international context. So when you do a comparative research, you can try to understand how national um, developments, events or persons affect the debate on school history and whether you see the same trends, patterns or developments or if things are different. And of course, England and the Netherlands, they both had colonies in the past. And nowadays, they have multicultural societies. So there is a lot of debate in these societies about history and about the topics that should be addressed and in what ways they need to be addressed and for what reasons. 
So that's why I have chosen England and the Netherlands. Also because um, the governments of both nations started to interfere with um, history education. Could I, yeah. could I ask uh, just a, a question on that, actually? Uh, how, how, how did they start interfering and, and um, in, in which way and when did, when did this take place? Well, when you look um, to England, for example, you had uh, Thatcher who tried, uh, who, who created, so to say, the national curriculum. Of course, she didn't create it by herself, but she implemented the national curriculum. So that was also a way of controlling the history education to a certain extent. But in the Netherlands, the government also started to interfere recently with history education. For example, we have now a canon of Dutch history education, but also earlier with um, certain time periods and certain characteristics of these time periods that needed to be learned. And just separate from the discussion, whether you like it or not, it's just important, I think, to observe that for the first time in the history of history education, that the government started to interfere also with the contents of history education to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's also related to the context of that no, of that moment, right? It was also after 2001 and 2002 with um, a murder of a Dutch politician and of and the twin towers who went down. So there was a lot of discussion about the national identity and who we are as Dutch and about the perhaps failure of the multicultural society and what could be done about that. So I think the, the complexities of the multicultural societies and the role of history education within that societies is shared between England and the Netherlands. And, and just uh, another question and on, on your on your current um, research that or that you will be doing so I realize my, my questions may also be a bit premature because you haven't really done the research yet but um, maybe also just to, to understand if you have um, uh, yeah an idea of where you you, you have seen things going um, I was wondering about yeah who who exactly are the players in this public discourse uh, like so, so you mentioned now the government started taking a, a greater interest um, but I was also wondering in particular with re regard to history teachers and history educators because it's it's my perception and it's just my perception I don't have anything to really back this up with my my feeling on this is that history teachers used to play a much greater role in being a, a part of, of public discourse than they are today. And there could be many reasons for this. That's that's my feeling. I don't know if you agree, um, but will you also be looking at, at how, I don't know, various um, organizations representing history teachers, including for instance, Euroclio or, or, or national member associations. So in the UK, you have the historical association, you have Verian um, uh, Clio here in the Netherlands. Uh, and, and they are, of course, associations that, that still very much are, are, are fighting for, for history uh, as, a, as a subject and history uh, teachers as, as, a, as a profession. Um, but, but what about sort of the individual teachers? Have they also been a part of this discussion? And to which extent do you feel? Yes, that's an important sub-question within my research, like who 
or which voices dominated the public debate or which voices were heard in a public debate and from whom. And I think teachers played a role, for example, when you look into newspapers. But it's also inter interesting to see the, the various role of different associations. But also opinion leaders sometimes had a strong opinion about history education, perhaps without mu much knowledge about history education. Right. Yeah. So I think it's very important to investigate the history of public debates in order to understand and to provide some background information to the heated discussions about history education in the present to to have an insight into patterns and developments, but also because public opinions and uh, strong opinions can affect um, policies and government policies. And I think that's also important to understand, not only official um, associations of history educations, for example, but also mm -hmm. um, yeah, the, the public opinion that's very general formulated, but you know what I mean, the, the strong yeah. voices can have an effect on government policies. And I think it's important to see changes and continuities within that public debate, but also exactly what you say, the voices of different people. And when you ask about the role of history teachers and the role of historical associations, for example, well, I have indeed to investigate um, how their role changes, if it changes over the past or not, but I haven't seen that yet. Mm -hmm. But yeah. that is just because research is indeed in its beginning. Very good. I mean, I'm I'm really looking forward to to seeing the 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 fruits of your of your research endeavor. So, and another question that indeed is also linked to yeah the public discourse as I see it because um, you you often or often I've seen lately you you get um, yeah politicians or people uh, making claims about the need for um, a common understanding of history that people they see the the societal problems that you you talked about in in in, uh, in your answer to my first question uh, and then their sort of immediate reaction is well they, it's pupils should be taught xyz but i see and i've seen that also here in the netherlands where i'm, I'm living now I'm, I'm not dutch but i'm living here and I, i've seen that also in, in the public discourse here but at the same time you also have the case that history as a subject, as a school subject, is given less and less priority in, in curricula, in, in, um, in the number of hours that, it, that you have devoted to it. So in fact, in a number of countries, it's not even a mandatory subject anymore, it's optional. And just sort of with the attention that you have been paying now to debates around the role of history education, what, what do you see as the reason for these developments? Yes, well, perhaps several reasons, and, and it can, of course, um, differ per country. But, but when you look into the Netherlands, for example, let me start with the Netherlands. There is a lot of discussion about um, if pupils know enough about history, and people try to solve that by interfering with the contents of history education, for example, by providing a history canon and by including um, also the black pages of history what is often mentioned the black pages of history like slavery or for mm -hmm. example um, the war of independence in indonesia and we heard the recent uh, news about it about the role of the netherlands within that war 
And it is often said that the Dutch people, and especially pupils, don't know enough about it. And they say, well, we need to change history education. But indeed, what you say, the hours for history education have been changed. History education is not mandatory anymore. Of course, you have history education in the Netherlands at the primary school and in the first years of secondary school. But then you can choose the subject. And I think I think that is dangerous. Well, dangerous, but at least I think if you um, bring up the hours for history education, that can solve the problem of, you know, not knowing enough about the past or not having the skills to investigate or to understand or to critically think about the past. So I think the hours are very important. Mm -hmm. But when you look into the public debate and also within societies, it is often about, you know, the free choice to look for a certain profile for your future. And then history can be part of it or you can just skip it because people think you can also live without history. And a lot of societies, especially, I think, in times of economic crises, have the intention to not devote a much time, not so much time to history as a subject. And also, I think the discussion is not new. For example, when you look um, to the public debate after the First World War, and especially after the Second World War also, there was a lot of debate about the, the relevance of history education. Because people said, look, we had a Second World War. If history cannot prevent war, and we can make it into peace education or something like that, but it, it does not prevent war. So why should we learn about the past if it does not affect the present or if it does not affect how we think and how we act. What is the use of history? Let's get rid of it. No, I think there is a deeper debate about that as well, right? What is the use of history? Like, um, because of course, that's also with what Nietzsche said, right? The, too much history can prevent you from living in the present. Right, yeah. Because it ties you to the past and it doesn't give you space to live in the present. But of course, it's also dangerous to dangerous, I think, to live without history, because then um, I think you are very more open for distorted versions of the past, because you cannot critically investigate or understand the process of historical representation anymore, for example. Mm -hmm. no. This this uh, is a nice bridge, actually, to, to another question I had, but um... Yeah, we'll we'll try to give you also some some background for this because we uh, I mentioned in in in, uh, in the beginning that we are organizing our annual conference uh, about around the question of what history is for, and in preparing for that we actually reached out to our members, so members of EuroCLIO all across across Europe and beyond, and we asked them precisely this question, um, and the answers that we got I will roughly divide them up in three sort of broader categories. Um, category number one is basically about national and identity related purpose. So history in this sense is a tool to promote a feeling of national identity and group belonging, you know, and, and that, that route. Uh, and um, the second category, uh, we label it 
sort of civic purposes. And in this case, or in this sense, history is really aimed at promotion of a peaceful society, valuing diversity. Um, yeah, the, you, you mentioned the, the increasingly diverse aspects of our classrooms and so forth. And it's about, um, yeah, making sure that diverse people can live together without sort of awakening wounds of the past and, and uh, a shared past where, uh, that we can build a future together around. And the third one is more relating to sort of like scientific or critical purposes. So like critical thinking skills, but also just generally skills that uh, you can take out of the historian's craft in a sense. And I just wanted to ask, yeah, what's, first of all, what's your, what's your position on, on this? And what do you see is the, what history is for? Um, which I know is a very big question to, to answer, but, but also uh, to play a little bit of a devil's advocate, perhaps, given the very continued success of the nation state as a basis for how we organize ourselves, is there still a case to be made for history education as a source of this shared national identity? And are we not a little bit in danger of letting yeah, nationalist or populist forces hijack that kind of position? If we focus, let's say, too much in quotation mark on the competencies and the skills that you get out of, of history education. Sorry, a very long question. <laughs> no, it's a very interesting question and also quite a tricky one because I really like distinction. Um, but of course, it's also tricky to choose a certain uh, category. But if I needed to choose, I feel most at home, I think, within a third one about the scientific or critical purposes of history because I think it helps to keep the balance because history can be used and is often used of course as an instrumental tool for example to enforce a national identity or to promote diversity and so on but I think uh, you can also use history for example to promote a European identity etc but I think it is important to critically reflect on these goals as well. And these goals often say more about the present than about the past, I think. So history is important to understand society as it is today. And for example, to understand the inequality um, within society as it is today and to understand the gap between rich and poor. Um, but at the same time, there are critical thinkers who say that is not enough. And they say, instead of explaining the current conditions of society and leave them undisturbed, they say we need to pull apart the assumptions that are used to justify the current arrangements. So they say history is a warning or need to be a warning also against those historical works that seek to normalize and naturalize the current conditions, such as inequality. So they say on the one hand, you can explain how and why societies are as they are, but at the same time, the relevance of history shows the many possibilities of history and that things are not predetermined or neutrally given, but that there are possibilities for change and that people have a choice. But when we talk about history education and the pupils, I think it's also important to understand that the minds of pupils grow 
with their age, right? So I can totally understand that you start with history in a certain way at primary school and that you try the more critical um, approach at secondary school. And now I come to the second part of your question. What about the nation state? And apparently it's still very important. I think it's not wrong to, to teach the history of the nation. I think it's very important because you speak the same language as other members of the nation state. But I think it makes a difference how you teach the nation state. Of course, you can teach the nation state, but then you can show how that national history is related and connected to other countries, empires, and to the world, to global history. And I think that's very important to understand also the language you use, that you do not talk about the Netherlands in, um, in ancient times, for example, but that you understand that the Netherlands is quite a recent, well, what is recent, but <laughs> that yeah, the Netherlands yeah. as a concept came into being. And of course, that sounds perhaps too scientific, but just to show, I think that you can teach children something about the history, um, about the place where we live now, but just trying to show it in an interesting way that it came into being precisely by the interaction with other country, countries, with other people, um, with the world. So I totally understand your question that it's too simple to get rid of the nation state, so to say. So I think it's still very important, but it's, in my opinion, I think it, it's different how you... Um, how you address it. it. Yeah, how you address it. Mm -hmm. And also, I can understand that you talk about diversity and identity in the classroom, especially in the history classroom. But I think we also need to understand that, yeah, these are instrumental tools as well, right? Mm -hmm. And not necessarily wrong, but I think it's important. Therefore, I feel at home as a third one that that we critically reflect on how we as teachers, educators, researchers use history as well. And I think a lot of countries are already doing that. Or if you investigate English and Dutch history textbooks, for example, there are parts of uh, discussions. How is a hero made, for example? Mm -hmm. Why does someone becomes a hero in a certain age or in a certain context? And perhaps on television and within the public media, there is discussion about uh, the biggest or the greatest Britain of them all, for example. But when you look into the history textbooks, that's not a question. People, pupils investigate the process of hero making. And I think that's quite interesting that perhaps the pupils are further <laughs> than, <laughs> than the public debate, so to say. Yeah, that that is very that is very interesting indeed. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, I hadn't I hadn't thought uh, thought of that link with uh, with all these yeah popular popular history kind of uh, well it's not even popular history it's more sort of in the media of, of yeah the greatest Britain and all of that yeah um, great uh, I maybe just to 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 wrap up a little bit because you 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 obviously will be researching that public discourse between the um, of, of the last uh, hundred years or so yeah. um, but where do you 
So you, you mentioned after also int very interestingly after World War II there was this this also this reckoning with the fact that history couldn't prevent the war and 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 um, that yeah what's what's the point then so to speak what, what other kind of key moments do you see in this without having really done the research now I realize but but still um, up until today are there other sort of key defining moments that you think you might encounter that 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 sort of shifts the discourse completely yes i think well to start after world war one let's say in the 1920s you see a lot of discussion about history education and it's even um, described as poison for the children's hearts poison. <laughs> as poison because some people said we had a first World War with so much people who were willing to die for the country and why? Perhaps it's all, not, not all, but a, well, the blame also needs to go to history education and especially the nationalist ideas of history that were transferred within history education, that young children had a distorted version of their own country and their own people and the other. So people said history education is poison, let's get rid of it. And others said, no, that's way too easy. We need to cr critically, here it is again, investigate the historical representation and the historical um, process of images that is present in history textbooks. So let's try to improve history education precisely to prevent war and not only focus on political history, but let's also focus on cultural history. And then there, were of, there was, of course, also um, some people who said we only need to talk about peace and that all the wars have led to a certain peace. And they tried to, you know, to interpret history as a kind of peace development. So there was a lot of discussion about the role of history education in society after the First World War, and it also continued after World War II. But it was, of course, we also know the term from not again. So people said people need to know about the war and about the horrific things that have happened in order to prevent things. And of course, especially after World War II, you also hear that voice that people said History is extremely important precisely to not forget what happened and what people are capable of. So let's use history education to prevent war and to have a more nuanced version of the other, so to say. But also when you, in the 60s, for example, it's also different within a national context. When I think of England, and when I think about history education in England, after World War II, it was quite heroic. Like, we liberated the Netherlands, for right, example. Yeah. We are yeah. heroic. And we stood alone against Hitler, of course. Not alone, but that was often the, the myth. Like, we stood alone against the world power. David against Goliath, for example. But in the Netherlands, it was very different because the Netherlands were occupied by Nazi Germany for five years. And then they were liberated. So when you look into the discussions about Dutch history education, it was more oriented on a European identity in the 60s, not so much national anymore, because the idea was, well, we are a small country, we were occupied. 
yeah, we need to relate to Europe to become strong again. But of course, when you look, and now I make a big jump uh, into present debates about the European identity, that's also very problematic. And especially in England and the UK. And there are even researchers who say that the Brexit is related to history education because uh, English history education focused very much on the strong nation and that the, the national theme within history education can be related to Brexit even. That's, no. that's, I, I, I will use the opportunity to then ask you a, a sort of a very final question because it's always fun to ask historians about the future um, <laughs> and the present day. But so even in this situation that you, you also described a little bit with Brexit, with a lot of culture wars, a lot of public discourse about history and what it is about and why we do it, is that in, in your view from, for the, from the perspective of those of us who, who wish to have more attention given to history education, more time devoted to it in schools, etc. Is that an opportunity or is it a problem, a hurdle? Oh, yeah, that's a tricky question because in my opinion, of course, it's an opportunity. I think it's very important to increase the numbers of hours for history education, precisely to teach students about the content and about historical skills. And also in this time, with fake news. I think that historical skills are also very important. Also skills to check sources, for example, that we use a lot as historians, but also to reflect on uh, processes of historical representation and how history is used in, in politics, for example, and in present day debates. And I think that's also very interesting for pupils and students to do in class and also to understand um, each other more because they are the new generation. So history, I think really can not directly solve problems or predict the future, but I think history is very important to increase understanding, mutual understanding. And I think within a multicultural society with many problems and also with, with new digital techniques and fake news and everything, I think history is very, very important. So I see it as an opportunity. And I think that pupils can do a lot with history and that history teachers are doing great things with history, but that they just need more time to educate their pupils. And I think that's very important. I think that sounds like a perfect way to end our conversation. Thank you so much, Professor Tina van der Vlies, for having joined us, shared um, some thoughts about your, your work and your research. And I wish you all the best in, uh, in conducting this research together with colleagues in, in the UK. Well, thank you very much for your invitation. And um, I hope to know more when I have my results. Thank you very much. <laughs>